Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. How does a man engage engage life, engage the people around him, engage the situations around him now that he knows that Jesus is alive? In other, in other words, what is the difference? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to interact with the people that we meet on a daily basis now that we know Jesus is alive? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? How are we supposed to live now that we know that Jesus Christ is alive and is coming back soon? What difference is it supposed to make in our life? How are we supposed to engage the people at work? How are we supposed to engage when we are doing business? How are we supposed to engage family members? How are we supposed to engage the people who don't even believe that Jesus Christ came and died for them? How are we supposed to do that? One thing I want you to understand is that the way we live our lives on a daily basis, you know, should be able to tell the whole world that we have a hope inside of us. Okay? Because when we engage the world around us, knowing that Jesus Christ is alive, it touches everything, it changes everything. What I mean by that is that when you realize that there is somebody who is coming again, there is somebody who died for your sin, there is somebody who took you away from where you are and put you where you are right now, there is somebody that made a change in your life, it's supposed to affect everything about your life. Because if it doesn't affect anything in your life, then that means that that particular thing, whatever that person did for you, is meaningless. But we know that the death of our Lord Jesus Christ is not meaningless. So it changes everything in our life. When we engage the world around us, around us, knowing that God, that Christ is alive and is coming back soon, it changes everything in our lives. When we are conscious of the fact that Christ is alive and is coming back soon, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we do service in the house of God. It changes the way we interact with fellow members of the church. It changes the way we do business. It changes everything. When you know that Jesus is alive and is coming back soon, because I tell you something, if you are working in a particular establishment, your boss is not there. Maybe you are one of those people who work at home. Okay, You do your work at home, you are, you are, you are the own boss, you can work in your own pajamas and everything. And you know that yes, your boss doesn't do it. Nobody asks you what you do or when you resume at work and everything. But there is a day that you know that your boss is going to log in at 7.30 in the morning. You know that at the end of the month, he's going to log in at 7 30 in the morning to see what you are doing, what you have been doing at home. What, what does it do to you? It changes the way you behave. Because if you have been logging out at 9 o'clock in the morning in your house and you have been working with your computer, it changes the way you live, it changes the way you behave. If you are going to have a teleconference with your boss, you don't show up in your pajama saying that on your bed and you are typing. No, it changes everything. When you know that there is a, there is a resurrected Christ, when you know that he's going to come again, when you know that he's going to take his people back with him, it changes the way you live on a daily basis. Because if it doesn't change it, then what do you mean by subscribing to the Lord? The resurrection of Christ changes everything. And if you look at the book of first John, in the book of John, Gospel of John, that we read this morning, John, Gospel of John, the Bible tells us about the actions of the disciples. 
after the Lord Jesus Christ had passed. In John 21, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said unto them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We are going with you. And they went out, immediately got into the boats, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any food? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you shall find some. So they cast their net, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, I want you to get some things from this particular verse of scripture that we are reading. This verse of scripture tells us about Peter deciding to go and fishing. And then the remaining disciples were with him. With him, basically, they were supposed, you know, they didn't have anything to do. They were bored. They said, "Okay, we'll go with you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's all go and start fishing." And by the time they went out, the Bible said they got into the boat. They fished all night and they caught nothing. Remember that these were experienced fishermen. These were people who know how to catch fish. And the Bible said they fished all night. They did not catch anything. In the morning, Jesus Christ coincidentally started walking on the shore of the of that particular sea where they were fishing. That was asking them, "Hey, you guys, do you guys have any food?" They said, "No." Do you have any meat? They said no. And then Jesus Christ, knowing that they are knowing what they were doing, he said, Why don't you just cast your net on the right side of the ship? And when they did, the Bible said they pulled up and they could not pull in the boat. They could not pull in the net because they caught so many. What they had tried to do all night, they were now able to you know, they were now able to catch in just one single moment at the word of the Lord. Now the Bible told us that they caught some, and immediately that happened. John the beloved recognized that only Jesus can do this. Immediately they caught all the fishes after fishing all night and not finding anything and they caught it just at the instant of the word of God. John the beloved realized that this was Jesus. And John told Peter. And for some reason, Peter did not realize that this same Jesus, who in the beginning was the one that told him to push his boat out and fish and caught a lot. He could not even recognize that Jesus was repeating the same miracle for him the second time. He needed to be told. When John told him, this is the Lord, and the Bible says he jumped into the water and he swam to the sheep. What I want you to notice here is this. These are guys who know who the Lord Jesus Christ was. These were the people that abandoned their business. These were the people that followed Jesus Christ. These were the people that followed him everywhere for three years. They heard every message that Jesus Christ preached. They saw every miracle that he performed. They knew every promise that he gave, especially the promise of his resurrection. They heard it. They knew it. They were expecting it. But for some reason, when they were supposed to go and tell the whole world that Jesus is alive, they did what? They decided to go fishing. When they were supposed to be living in the reality of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that was when they decided to go fishing. And that tells us something. It tells us that if you live your life without the consciousness that Jesus is alive, several things will happen. Number one thing that will happen is that fear is going to abound in your hearts. When you live your life not knowing that Jesus is alive and he has conquered death for you, you will find that fear will abound in your life. If you read the book of John chapter 20, reading from verse number 19, the Bible says the disciples were gathered together inside the house for fear of the Jews. Jesus was already risen, but they were still locked up in the house. When you live your life and you do not realize that Jesus Christ has conquered death for you through his resurrection, number one, fear will abound in your heart. You will be afraid of men. You'll be afraid of death. You'll be afraid of the enemy. You'll be afraid of the unknown. You'll be afraid of the future. The fear will occupy your heart if Jesus is not seen as a resurrected savior. Number two, 
A heart that does not realize that Jesus Christ is alive is a heart that will be looking for solutions in the wrong places. Look at John chapter 20 reading from verse number 5. The Bible says that in the morning when Jesus Christ was already reading, reason, these people were going to the tomb to look for the living among the dead. And that is what a lot of people do. When you don't realize that Jesus Christ has won the victory for you. When you don't know that he has given you the victory. When you don't know that he has conquered death for you. You will begin to look for solution. You begin to look for the living among the dead. You begin to look for solution where there is no solution. And that's why people do a lot of funky things. All in the name that they want to get ahead. All in the name that they want to make prosper. They want to prosper. All in the name that they want to continue to make progress in life. You begin to look for solution when there is no solution. If you don't know that Jesus Christ has risen up for you. Number three. If you don't know that Jesus Christ is alive and well and has won the victory for you, the word of God, the promises of God will not be made known unto you. Look at it in verse number 20, John chapter 20. Reading from verse number 8, the Bible says, For as yet they did not know the scripture that Jesus has risen from the dead. In other words, the revelation of the word of God, the revelation of the promises of God, the things that God has decided to give to you and has given to you and has promised to give to you, you will find out that those things will become dark to you. You will not know them if you do not realize that Jesus is already alive. Number four. When your heart is not unconscious of the resurrection or the aliveness of Christ, you will see that you will begin to return back to the old ways that Jesus has taken you from. You remember that these were the same people that he called. He said, from this moment, you will no longer be fishing for fish. You will become fishers of men. He called them from being fishers, you know, from just regular fishermen to become fishers of men. Now that Jesus Christ is, is, is alive, now that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and they are not fully conscious of it, what happened? They returned back to where Jesus Christ pulled them from. And that is what you see in the life of so many people. When the resurrection power is not fully conscious, it's not fully active in your life, you will find that you begin to go back to the same thing that Jesus Christ delivered you from. The lies that he delivered you from. That particular relationship he delivered you from. The things that the Lord saved you from, you begin to go back to your own old way. Number five, when you do not realize that it, when, you are, when you are not conscious of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, what you will find is that you are open to every corrupt influence. These were people who were hanging out with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter knew what Jesus, what, what Jesus Christ said about his own resurrection. And this same Peter said, I want to go fishing. The disciples could have said, Peter, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be propagating and telling the whole world that Jesus is alive. But what did they do? They said, we'll go with you. When you don't know that Jesus is alive, you will not be able to stand your ground. When you don't know that Jesus is alive, people will offer you things that are going to pull you out of the kingdom and you will accept it. When you don't know that Jesus is alive, you will begin to accept every corrupt suggestion that people give unto you. When you don't know, you are vulnerable to corrupt influences. Number six, when you don't know that Jesus is alive, what you will end up doing is that you are going to be involved in misguided missions, misguided purposes. In other words, these were people. The Bible said that they got into the boat and they went on fishing. That was not what God wanted them to be doing. The God, the Lord Almighty wanted them to be what? To become fishers of men. He wanted them to be able to tell others about the saving grace. But these guys, because they did not realize that Jesus is alive and well, they were not involved in a misguided mission. They were not involved pursuing a wrong goal. And that is what happens in the life of an individual. The Lord is calling you to be a, to be the fishers of men. The Lord is saying that I want you to speak into the life of people that you meet. But what are you telling them? You are discussing this, you are discussing that, and at the end of the day, you find out that you are going in your own direction and wondering why things are not happening for you. When they were, you know, when they did not realize that Jesus is alive and well, 
they got themselves mixed up in purposes, in missions, in adventures that the Lord Almighty did not support. And then finally, when your heart is not aware that God Almighty has raised up Jesus from the dead, what you will find is that you will engage in profitless hard work, profitless labor. The Bible tells us in verse number 3, it says, And they fished all night and caught nothing. They did a lot of efforts. They put a lot of energy into what they were doing. They put a lot of strategy into it. They probably told a lot of stories to themselves to keep themselves awake at night while they were fishing for the fishes. But the problem was that they could not get any results. So it is not by your hard work. It is not by your own ability. It is not by your own wisdom or your ability to be able to conjure things up. It is the grace of God. The Bible says that he that, he said, except the Lord watches the house, except the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen, they stay awake at night. Except the Lord builds the house. Those who are trying to build it are wasting their time. When you do not realize that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and has given you the victory, you will be involved in what is referred to as a profitless had labor. These people fished all night and caught nothing. All they had to do was come to the seashore in the morning, wait for Jesus to show up. Jesus tell them, drop your net on the right side of the sheet. They drop it there. They pull it up. Maybe in 30 minutes they would have been done. They would have had a good night rest. But because they did not realize that Jesus has already won the battle for them, already given them the victory, they kept on doing it in their own power. They kept on doing it in their own strength. That's why we prayed a few minutes ago that Lord help me to stop struggling with you. Help me to stop struggling. Because you will not be able to surrender to the Lord when you have not realized that he's awake and he's alive again. A man who does not understand that will find that there will be profitless hard labor. Now these are some of the things that we see in the life that is unconscious or fails to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is alive. The question is, why is a life lived without the reality of the resurrection characterized by things that we have just described? Why do you see things like that in their lives? Why? Read this reading book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, reading from verse number 14, the Bible tells us there. And if Jesus is not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not. If so, be that the dead is not risen. For if the dead is not risen, then is not Christ risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sin. Then ye also, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this life, if in this life only you have hope in Christ, we of, of, we of all men are most miserable. In plain English 27, 2018 language. If Jesus Christ did not rise up from the dead, we are wasting your time and wasting my time here. Because all this thing that we are doing is just cajoling ourselves. All that we are doing right now is just a show business. You are bored, you have done, you have gone to work from Monday to Friday, and then you on Saturday, on Sunday, you want to look, you want to go somewhere to somewhere else that somebody can entertain you. Or you can have a, pro, a, a group of kids singing. Or you can have this African man keep talking to you. That is just what all this is if Jesus Christ did not raise up from the dead. If there is no resurrection, it simply means that we are someplace, we are, we are wasting our time. In other words, a man who lives without the realization that Christ has risen from the dead is a man that has no hope for life and no hope for eternity. There's no hope. And that's why Paul the Apostle is saying, if you read the book of Colossians, the Bible says that he said, Christ in you. The fact that Jesus Christ is the risen and is living inside of you, he said, that is the hope of the glory that you have. That is the hope of your life. Because you know that the same condition that is going on in the world, it will affect everybody. But you are different because Christ has won the victory for you. You see, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, the reality of the resurrection is what gives you hope 
for today and for tomorrow. It's what gives you hope for today and for eternity. It is the resurrection that gives you the assurance that everything that you are seeing here does not end here. That there is an eternal life. That Christ that will raise the dead again. That is why uh, there is a lot of hopelessness outside of the church. And the church is the only place where you can get the good news. Where the Lord tells you that it doesn't end here. There is a better tomorrow. There is a better hope for tomorrow. And those who are in the church are supposed to live in this hope. But the unfortunate thing is this. As hopeless as people are outside of the church, there are people who are hopeless also in the church. A lot of people who say that, yes, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people who say, yes, Jesus is risen, hallelujah. But if you look at their life, there's a lot of hopelessness in there. And the trouble is if the people who are outside are suffering like that, and those in the church are suffering like that, then we are in a serious mess. Hopelessness among those who do not identify with Christ is something that is expected. But hopelessness among the people who are called by God's name is not expected. It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. And that is why the Lord God Almighty is calling you. You need to know what Jesus has done for you. You need to know the kind of victory he has given to you. Now, if in the church there is still hopelessness, the question is why? Why are people who say that they are born again? Why are people who say that they are filled with the Spirit of God? Why are people who say that they have a hope of tomorrow? That that, that when they die, Jesus Christ is going to take them to heaven. Why is it that these same people are living as if there is no hope for them? Why are they living as if there is no, that Jesus Christ has not won the battle for them? Why is a born again child of God living a hopeless life? Let me submit to you, number one. The reason why many people are hopeless in the house of God is because, number one, they lack the understanding of what Jesus Christ had done for them. They do not understand what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Number two, they are hopeless because they are living a life apart from the Almighty God. You cannot eat your cake and have it. You cannot say, Lord, I want to do it my way and then expect the Lord Almighty to bless your work. You cannot say, Lord, I'm independent from you and then expect the Lord Almighty to keep blessing you. You know how this whole thing works. You go to work, you don't want to obey the instruction at work, and yes, you want to get promoted. Who is going to promote you? I mean, which boss will recommend you for promotion? The boss that recommends you for promotion needs to have his head checked. The point we are making is that you cannot live your life apart from Christ and expect to be hopeful. Number three, you cannot have it your way and expect God to continue to bless you. That's why many are hopeless. You cannot refuse to submit and expect God to continue to shower his blessings upon you. That is why many are hopeless. You cannot deny his faithfulness and expect God to fulfill his promises in your life. You can't. You cannot hold a grudge against God and say, I will not forgive God because of what happened. Because I prayed for X, Y, and Z and God did not give it to me, so I'm no longer come to church again. Ah, if you don't come to church, who is losing? The funniest thing is that a lot of people believe that if they don't do certain things for God, they are, you know, by coming to church, they are doing God a favor. They believe that by singing praise today, they will make God God. They will make even better God. But the idea is that a lot of people are hopeless because they hold a grudge against God. They believe God did not answer the prayer when they pray. They believe he was not fast enough. They believe he took away their loved one. They believe he did so many things against them that they, that shouldn't have been happening. And that's why many of them are hopeless. That's why many of them are hopeless. But the interesting thing is that the life that has hope, the life that has hope, number one, is the life that trusts the Almighty God. Number two is the life that obeys the Lord Almighty. Number three is the life that rests on the faithfulness of the Almighty God. Number four is the life that is committed to the Almighty God. Number five is the life that is submitted to the will of God. And number six, it's a life that says, Lord, take control of my life. That's the only life that has hope. 
Because when you trust, it's just like when you have a relationship within the family. You have your father, you have your mother, you have your uncle, or whatever you're having, a relationship within the household. When you trust that person, when you are obedient to that person, when you are submissive, submissive to that parent, you find out that they are willing to do more for you. And their promises become more tangible in your life. But when you don't submit, when you are when you are when you are rebellious, how do you expect that such people will continue to work for you? And that is why people are having difficulty in the church. When we have hope in life, then we can engage other people to the point where we see things in the light of resurrection. What I mean by that is this. It is when you have this joy inside of your spirit. It is when you are confident that God hears and answers your prayer. It is when you know that God has your back. That is when you can go to my idiot, go to that, that particular person at work and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. That is when you can tell them what God has done. But if you yourself don't even believe what you are saying, okay? If you yourself do not even have a hope for what you are saying, how are you going to tell somebody else about that same information? If you don't believe that God is good, how can you tell people God is good? If you do, you are just a hypocrite or you're a liar. You're just trying to sell a car for us that you know the car is not going to work and you're trying to sell it. If you don't believe that God can meet you at the point of your need, how can you tell somebody that God will meet your prayer, that God will meet you at the point of your need? If you don't believe God answers prayer, why would you tell somebody that God will answer their prayer? You won't. But when we have a hope that God has won the victory for us, it changes the way you relate with people. If within this particular assembly right now, a particular brother, a sister decide to say, all right, this is what I look at you. This particular guy, you look good in a very nice new Jeep. I'm giving it to you. I can recommend. I say, you see that brother? Move close to him. You will treat him very well. Why? Because I've enjoyed it. But if you have never done it before, if you have never enjoyed something before, it is very difficult for you to respond. It is very difficult for you to be able to recommend it. That is why many are having difficulty working with the Lord. You are only where you have hope in life. That is when you can engage life from the point of view of the resurrection. When, the, when you see life from the point of view of the resurrection, that is when you are able to engage effectively. Now you will notice I've been talking about engagement, engagement, engagement all along. What do I mean by engaging life? What do I mean by engaging life? When I say engaging life, I mean you participate actively in life. It means you are involved actively in life. It means that you are not recoiling into your own little corner and saying the whole world is bad, so I'm going to stay in this my own corner. I'm not going to interact with them. It means that you are engaged with life. You participate. You are involved. It means that you are are actively getting involved in the things that pertain to your own life. Now, when I say a believer should be engaged in life, I'm talking about, what am I talking about? I'm talking about that particular individual participating in social life, participating in cultural life, participating in economic life, participating in political life, participating in every area of life. The social life is not only for the people who are outside of the church. The political life is not only for the people who are outside of the church. The economic life, the rich men, is not only for the people who are outside of the church. Believers and children of God are supposed to participate actively in life. The only difference is this. They do not do it like the other people do it. They do not engage in economic activity like every other person engages in. They do not engage in social life like every other person does. What they do is that they take the resurrection of Christ and they, they, they filter all their life through it. In other words, when they are engaging with other people, they engage it on the basis of what the word of God says. When they are involved in politics, they do that same way. When they are involved in the academics, they do the same way. They engage in life based on the word of God. The question is, why must a believer be engaged? Why must you be engaged? The Bible tells us, it said the wealth of the unrighteous are laid up for the righteous. 
In other words, there are certain things that God expects you to have. If you do not engage, you will never be able to see those things. So why must a believer engage? Number one. Now, before we go into that particular one, there's this thing that the Bible, that Christian used to say. He said that we are not of the world as such, we should not participate. That is not true. The Bible tells us in the book of First Corinthians chapter 5. Now, look at what Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthian church. He said, I write to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Okay? Now, look at the next verse. He said, yes. I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. He said, or with the covetous, the extortioners, or the idolaters. Now look at the line that I underline. He said, since then, you will need to get out of this world. In other words, if you say, I'm not going to talk to the sinners, it means that you are going to walk alone. Because everywhere you turn, there are sinners. If you say, I'm not going to do business with any, with a child of the, who is not a Christian, then your options are limited. If you say that I'm not going to go to class, I'm not going to allow myself to be taught by somebody who's not a believer, then your options are limited. Paul the Apostle is saying, I am not saying you do not company with the people of the world. I am saying that if somebody calls himself a Christian, if somebody says that he's a believer, and that person is an idolater, and that person is a fornicator, and that person is a chronic sinner, he said, don't walk with that person. But the whole world is filled with them, but you have to do business, you have to in, you have to earn a living. He said you interact with them because they do not claim to be Christians. Why is that important? It is important because as long as you are on earth, you have to interact with people. And why do you interact? Number one, you interact so that you can know the ideas that is shaping the people around you. In other words, you need to know what is motivating people to act the way they are acting. Why is a man telling lies the way he's doing? Why is he sleeping around, sleeping around like a dog? Why is he behaving the way he's doing? You need to understand what is going on so that you can minister to them. That's why you need to engage the culture. Number two, you need to understand their prevailing worldview. How do they see the world? If you don't understand it, you cannot minister to them. Number three, you need to be able to earn the right to speak into the life of somebody. In other words, if I develop relationship with you, and I have a good relationship with you as an individual, it is easy for me to tell you about Christ. Compared to the person that I never greet in the morning. I never say hi to when I get to the office. In my place of work, I make sure I draw a, a perfect line on the table so that my paper does not cross to his side or my paper cross to my side. I am so much into myself, I don't talk to anybody. And then you hear a message in church, pastor say go and speak the word of God, go and preach the gospel to somebody. And then you wake up the next morning, you get to, you get to your office on Monday, and you tell my brother, I say Jesus loves you. He looks at you and say, which Jesus? The one that you are carrying? I don't want that Jesus. If that Jesus doesn't know how to say good morning to me, if that Jesus doesn't know how to take care of me when I'm sick, if that Jesus doesn't know how to minister to my need, or doesn't even care about how I feel on a bad day, then why do I want to listen to the Jesus that you are peddling? The reason you need to engage is so that you can earn the right to speak into the life of the people that we meet every day. That's the only reason why we engage. We engage because you can know you, so that you can know what is called the point of intersection. What do I mean by point of intersection? Every one of us have issues that, every one of us have a thing that is actually moving in our life. And we have an issue where we are having a stress point in your life. Unless you interact with the person, you will not know where their stress point is. You will not know where you need to be able to touch. You will not know the things that you need to say to be able to suit their pain. You interact. You engage so that you can find the point of intercession. And then finally you interact so that you can extend the grace of God into their lives. When they see the way you are living, 
They see the joy of the Almighty God upon your life every day. They see that you are the kind of person who is not moved by the situation and circumstances around them. What you find is that they will begin to ask you, what is going on? Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.